Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. I hope everyone is doing great. I think yesterday, folks, I messed up. I think I said it was Monday night. It was really Tuesday night. I don't know anymore, folks. I'm doing seven shows a week, uh, working on this business behind the scenes, doing research like crazy, collaborating with several other researchers and independent uh, journalists. And then on top of it, I've got the newborn. He wakes us up about uh, three, four times a night. So some of the days feel like it goes into the next day. I don't even know anymore, folks. I got a giant pot upstairs of turkey soup that I made. It's my second giant pot of turkey soup because we had two different turkeys. So I made two pots of soup. That's for tonight's dinner. This has potatoes and carrots and celery, diced tomatoes, Uh, All kinds of stuff in there. And then what I did, I mentioned the bread on yesterday's show. Well, today, I've got a bread up there ready to go in the oven. And this one is filled with everything bagel seasoning, basil, fresh shaved Parmesan cheese, and minced garlic. So we'll see how that comes out. That's to go along with the turkey soup. So I apologize, folks. It is Wednesday night. I didn't mean to take you back in a time machine. But it's Wednesday night going into Thursday morning. And as you know, we are focused on CBDC, trying to understand what this central bank digital currency control system looks like, how it relates back to the original technocracy documents out of the 1920s and 1930s. And so... I've uh, begin to uh, began to dig really deep for you guys. I found you a test case run out of the Bank for International Settlements on this cross-border multi-country test. We saw that the United States is running a test right now on the uh, regulated liability network. So we're really finding all of this stuff going on. There's uh, between 100 and 112 countries that represent 95% of the world's GDP working on CBDC now. Some have gone into launch phases. Some are in research and development. Some are in test pilots. So this is coming at us at warp speed. People wanted to know this. Personal friends of mine, family, people from the show. And they said, hey, would you mind uh, focusing on this for a little while? Because I want to know what to do with my investments. I want to try to understand when this is coming. We are getting closer to that, folks. Last night, I was up. God, the uh, William usually wakes up 
around we've been going to bed at eight or nine and then he wakes up around 11 to 30 for his first feeding and then he goes back to bed he wakes up at about 2 30 so now i've just been staying awake until about one in the morning laying in bed doing research and so between my research and that wide awake gym he's gearing up to come back on the show soon he is going through something like 2000 bank for international settlement uh 2000 pages of bank for international settlement documents today maria albanese and i were sharing information back and forth last night she's the co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays and she was sending me a bunch of stuff some of which i already had in my archive other stuff i hadn't seen or it was an article written by another source so i went and compared that to my notes and so I've got a bunch of stuff here to review. It is episode 100, folks. I was trying to get Maria on, but when she is in the Christmas spirit, she is in the Christmas spirit. So I was lucky just to have her collaborating late last night. And so she couldn't really do it. And I was going to look for another guest and do a special 100 episode. And I said, you know what? What's so special about 100? We want to get to 1,000. So we're not going to celebrate episode 100. We're going to just keep digging into central bank digital currency until we find what it is we are looking for, folks. So I hope you appreciate this. This is for you because there were uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of people that reached out and asked me my take on this. So that's why we've dedicated the last few episodes to this. Also, I found direct ties between Peter Thiel and the Ethereum blockchain where a lot of the CBDC is being built on top of. And so that piqued my interest because as you know, we've covered Peter Thiel in six or seven episodes and I really personally dislike him. He is a technocratic transhumanist and uh, not a really good guy, folks. Not in my opinion anyway. All right, so let's start breaking this down. I don't want to waste a lot of time here. I'm just going to ask you guys right up front though, please leave a five-star review at apple Podcasts. if you haven't done so please just pause leave a five-star review and a comment it really helps us i enjoy those also feel free to join us at pain.tv slash gold for a few dollars a month i think it's like eight dollars and change a month you get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast and the thomas Paine podcast and access to a facebook like mobile application and website where you can communicate with other fans of the thomas Paine podcast and the dustin gold standard share like uh share information back and forth intelligence it's a great place to meet people a lot of these people on there have become friends in real life so i say check it out it's really worth it i was a member before i started doing the show here and um, a lot of great conversations going on there also if you'd like to leave a donation for the show please do so at donorbox.org slash dustin gold show also something new is coming uh there's been some issues i don't know how it is for you but it's something like 72 percent of folks listen to this podcast on apple Podcasts. well usually apple Podcasts, when an episode is done it rolls you right into the next episode well the last few days that hasn't been happening and these episodes that i record are about two hours mike moore's show the thomas Paine podcast is usually about three hours and these episodes get broken into 30-minute chunks and then released as, say, episode 100, part 1, part 2, part 3, part 4. And there's a reason why uh, Mike Moore and his team over there does that. 
And it has to do really with monetization, and I'll explain it to you eventually. But what I'm working on, because I want people to get a hold of this information, is I am looking into a paid service that allows me to put out a private RSS feed with these shows in full with no ads. And we have the ads on the public side of the show because we have to put food on our table. It is a way to generate some revenue and pay us for the time that we are putting into this. I mean, I know that for me it's full-time i know for mike it's full-time and so we need to be able to pay the bills otherwise our uh respective wives will throw us out of the house so i'm looking into this service now to put out the show in a private rss feed and that will be a subscription-based service and i am looking at the cost what it's going to cost me to actually do it and then I'll figure out what the cost to you will be. And then it'll also be balanced. So what I lose from you listening on the public side with the ads stuck in there, I'll make up on the subscription. So I think it is of value to you. You can listen to the shows without all the commercial breaks. And it will be much easier and it won't cost you that much. So I am working on that because, frankly, I don't want to listen to the show with... Um, with all the commercials in it, sometimes I'm driving in the car and I'll put on one of my shows to refresh myself on what I talked about a week or two ago, if I'm going to reference that in a show that I'm doing today. So that will be coming out shortly, folks, a private RSS feed. It'll be a subscription-based service. I'm talking to a couple of different companies now trying to find the most economic solution, but I don't want to cheap out. I want something that works really, really well. All right, here we go, folks. I've got kitco.com. This is an article. I don't generally do breaking news, as you know. I want my shows to be evergreen so people can listen to them at any time. They can go back and learn about the history of technocracy, transhumanism, eugenics, all of these subjects that we cover here at the Dust and Gold Standard. But Maria Albanese sent this to me last night, and it's crazy because I thought Ukraine was being pummeled by Russia. They're going to be out of uh, electricity this winter. Everyone's going to be starving and freezing to death. Uh, the poor president president over there, Zelensky, the guy hasn't even been able to uh, change out of his pajamas for the last six months. He hasn't been able to shave. He walks around looking like G.I. Joe. So it's, uh, I thought they were just under attack, being pummeled by missiles and, and bombs, and they're almost completely annihilated. Well, here's an article from Kitco, K-I-T-C-O.com by Ernest Hoffman, literally published yesterday, November 29th. It says right here, Ukraine publishes an outline of its E-Hrivnia CBDC project. All right. So I guess they have time to work on central bank digital currency. And as you know, we covered here at the Dust and Gold Standard that Ukraine is this giant smart country. It's a big, huge technological prison planet, a technocracy. All right. So they have time to do all this while they're being pummeled and their president hasn't had an opportunity to take a shower. All right. It says here, editor's note with so much market uh, volatility stay on top of daily news get caught up in minutes with our speedy summary of today's must read news and expert opinions so if you want to get information from kitco you can do so here i know um several of you 
have been reaching out to me over the last 48 hours that you're signing up for updates on a lot of these crypto-based websites so you can keep on top of the news. So that's probably a good idea if you're interested in this, but there's so much out there. It's so complex. Anyway, let's just go through this. So 100th episode, there's our big surprise. Ukraine launches CBDC plans. Yay! 100 episodes. Says right here, the National Bank of Ukraine, NBU, has published a draft concept for an E-H-R-Y-V-N-I-A, E-H-R-Y-V-N-I-A, a central bank digital currency version of its national currency. Quote, the national bank presented to the representatives of banks, non-banking financial institutions, and the virtual assets market for discussion and feedback, the project of the concept of e digital money of the National Bank of Ukraine, end quote. The NBU wrote in a statement outlining its approach to the e on November 28th. The e-hrivnia would be, quote, an electronic form of the monetary unit of Ukraine, end quote, and its purpose would be, quote, to effectively perform all the functions of money, supplementing the cash and non-cash forms of the hrivnia. End quote. The NBU wrote they intend for the CBDC to be, quote, convenient and accessible to all segments of the population, legal entities, state bodies, banks, and non-bank financial institutions, end quote. Goes on to say here, folks, quote, the development and implementation of the e-Hrivnia can be the next step in the evolution of the payment infrastructure of Ukraine. It will contribute to the digital digitalization of the economy, the further spread spread of cashless payments, the reduction of their cost, the increase in the level of their transparency, and the increase of trust in the national currency in general. End quote. Said Deputy Chairman of the National Bank, Alessi Shabin. Shabin also said that the CBDC would help ensure economic security and strengthen Ukraine's monetary sovereignty and would also strengthen the National Bank's ability to maintain prices and financial stability, end quote. Or, quote, as a guarantee of sustainable economic growth, end quote. Meanwhile, you have Vladimir Putin out there on the Russia side calling for someone, someone to develop an international CBDC, saying that... Uh, the government of the United States has too much power, so we need an international CBDC free from the uh, central banks in the United States. Well, who's he calling on to do this, folks? The only people that build this stuff are the technocrats that work hand-in-hand with the central bank and the governments. So you have Vladimir Putin calling for an international cross-border digital currency. Meanwhile, you have Ukraine launching their plans for their national CBDC. You see how this all works? Everyone's an enemy, folks. We're all at war, but they're all on the same page, and they all want the same exact thing. Give me a break. It goes on. The NBU also presented a potential design of the eHervnia. It's architecture characteristics and advantages for payment service providers during its discussions with market participants it said that quote the use of a technological platform for instant e-hrivnia payments service programming and data flow analysis end quote would create opportunities for new business cases the digitalization of existing services and other advantages 
The NBU said that during its work on the eHarivnia concept project, it took into account the results of its own 2021 survey of financial market experts on the potential demand for the eHarivnia and also drew on the experience of other central banks which are developing digital currencies as well as its own research. I thought these guys were under threat of being blown off the face of the earth by Russia, but they have time to form a digital currency and there's a demand for this currency. I thought other people were scurrying. Aren't they all dying? Now they're saying, give me a smartphone, put a uh, microchip in my hand and let me go out and spend my CBDC. Aren't we supposed to believe that Ukraine is going to freeze to death over the winter and they'll be wiped off the face of the earth? But no, no, no. It's so important, ladies and gentlemen, to make a CBDC. Unbelievable. When we get back, let me finish that up. We've got to go into some really uh, deep dive stuff into the company Consensus, owned by Joseph Lubin. And I'm also going to show you uh, what the central bankers and the Federal Reserve are saying about programmable money. You really need to understand this stuff. This is the most dangerous element when it comes down to you and me, the people that actually have to accept and, and spend this programmable currency. I'll be right back, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, I figured it out over the break, I think. Apparently, the Ukraine CBDC program is actually designed to help the people of Ukraine survive the winter because now they can take all that paper cash and use it uh, to start fires in their living room in order to stay warm. I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen, come on. This is what they're working on while they're supposedly being pummeled. It goes on here to say the National Bank of Ukraine is considering and developing three possible options for their CBDC. One, eHervnia, uh, for retail non-cash payments with the possible functionality of, quote, programmed, end quote, money, right, there you go, for the implementation of targeted social payments, the reduction of government expenditures on administration, and control of targeted use of funds, and the use of smart technology in certain situations. So you have program money. And that's implementation of targeted social payments, reduction of government expenditures on administration, and control of the targeted use of funds, and the use of smart contract technology in certain situations. All right, number two, eHarivnia for use in the circulation of virtual assets, for example, for exchange provision of issuance and other operations with virtual assets the eHarivnia could become one of the key elements of qualitative infrastructure development for the virtual assets market in ukraine and number three eHarivnia to enable cross-border payments 
This would enable cross-border payments to be made safer, cheaper, and more transparently. Well, Vladimir Putin would be happy, I guess. Now maybe Putin and Zelensky could stop uh, playing WWE wrestling uh, because they both agree they need these CBDC cross-border payments to be accessible to all. Uh, the article wraps up with the National Bank of Ukraine wrote they are continuing to develop the Herivnia quote with participants of the payment market, participants of the virtual assets market and state bodies, end quote. They added that the National Bank, quote, will approach the issue of issuing its own digital currency carefully and taking into account in particular the potential impact of its introduction on the financial system of the state, end quote. The National Bank... If Ukraine launched the e-Hrivnia project in September of 2021 to determine the feasibility of a large-scale issue of a digital form of the Hernivia in Ukraine. All right, so there you have it, folks. There you have it. Nothing mentioned in this article about war, by the way. Nothing mentioned about war. All right, let's move on here. We're talking about Consensus, this company that I stumbled upon in my research. And unless you're digging deep into the world of central bank digital currency, you would really have no reason to stumble upon consensus. And just to back up for a moment, because I just want to explain this to you. So you've got this guy, Vitalin Buterak, and he was developing Ethereum in 2013. I explained Ethereum in episode 97, so you probably want to check that out. So he starts developing Ethereum in 2013. If you believe this story, I don't. But this is the official story. 2014, Peter Thiel comes along and he pays Budalak $100,000 to drop out of college and to develop Ethereum full-time for a two-year grant under the Peter Thiel Foundation through a program called the Peter Thiel Fellowship, which we've covered extensively on the Dust and Gold Standard. We've covered a lot of the Peter Thiel Fellows and have shown you the projects that those crazy folks are working on. So 2014, Budalik starts working on this full-time. He has a partner, actually a few of them, but one of them's name is Joseph Lubin. Okay, 2015 comes along, all right, a year, maybe two years later, comes along, and uh, Buterin launches Ethereum. Joseph Lubin launches a company called Consensus. Consensus is a software development company focused on blockchain technology sitting on top of the Ethereum network. Okay, so it's a software development company focused on building out this Ethereum network. Consensus is involved with central, uh, the central bank, uh, various central banks around the world, and they are working with private, so-called private sector partners like Visa, MasterCard, uh, et cetera, that have these financial infrastructures already built. Okay, like 80 million merchants worldwide, just under Visa alone. I don't even know how many. I've been looking for it. How many people actually carry around a debit or credit card with the Visa stamp on it? So they have a massive infrastructure that already connects consumers to merchants. And then they have infrastructure that connects retail merchants to wholesale. They have wholesale to manufacturer, manufacturer to natural resource suppliers. I mean, huge network. So what Consensus has been working on 
is bringing the current infrastructure into the mix and figuring out how to be able to overlay this new blockchain technology on top of that and be able to help the central banks uh, utilize CBDC, central bank digital currency, across these existing networks. Okay, that's basically what I've been able to put together so far. So you have consensus now run by Joseph Lubin, who was partners with Vittel and Burak under Ethereum while Peter Thiel was funding it. All right, that that's really the Thiel connection there. So consensus is pretty damn big, folks. Let me just show you uh, some of what I found here. All right, so we have consensus. I'm on consensus.net, and it's C-O-N-S-E-N-S-Y-S.net. And this is an article from March uh, 15, 2022. I mentioned it the other day when I first came across them, but now I just want to start to show you some stuff. And for those of you in crypto, if you've heard of MetaMask or use MetaMask, one of these exchanges, that is owned by consensus. All right, so consensus raises $450 million Series D funding as leading self-custodial wallet MetaMask reaches over 30 million MAUs. All right, and within this, you've got SoftBank, uh, you've got Microsoft, I'm going to show you in a minute. I did not go through all the companies invested in this as I've done in the past. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of InQtel, CIA-connected firms here, Peter Thiel-connected firms. I just, it's not that important right now at this point in the investigation that I'm doing to go in and start researching all these investors because there's a lot of them. So I'm going to just pop back to crunchbase.com, and I've used this before. I've showed you you can look up investors inside of various companies. And so it says there's actually 49 investors. I can't see them all because I don't have the paid service. Uh, eventually, I may uh, I may do that. But you've got SoftBank in here, and I just want to show you. So one of the investors is Decrypt, D-E-C-R. YPT, who I've used when I'm covering CBDC as a news source, right? And so I'm like, wait a second, Decrypt, I thought they were news on cryptocurrency. So just to show you, I go look up um, Decrypt and okay, so now I'm back at Decrypt.co and this is just their um, about page. And it says, your gateway into the world of Web3. And we know Web3 is basically the metaverse. It says, Decrypt was founded in 2018 with a simple mission to demystify the decentralized web. We are a site dedicated to helping people understand this brave new world. Whether it's trustless networks, privacy corns, coins, or oracles, we strive to produce the original coverage of the biggest stories. Insightful profi- uh, profiles on the industry's movers and shakers, as well as engaging educational content to connect the dots. Decrypt is funded by Consensus a New York-based incubator. But we are both editorially independent and technologically agnostic. Right, sure they are. Our aim is to highlight to our readers what really matters whilst providing a toolkit to understand the fundamentals. We are a map for the doers of Web3 to help navigate the space and uncover the expertise and resources they need to shape the industry for themselves. And so 
And it goes through uh, basically their mission statement here. But as you can see, so Decrypt that I've been using as a source on this CBDC news is actually funded by Consensus. All right, so now you're starting to see this tangled web here. And I just wanted to show you that because uh, I think I find it to be quite important, actually, to understand that we're looking at news um, coming out of a news organization funded by one of the people actually working with the central banks to build the infrastructure for CBDC. Now, let's go back to consensus.net, and I want to show you something here. Um, it says, so this is uh, where consensus just raised $450 million in Series D funding. It says the latest raise values consensus at over $7 billion, more than doubling its valuation since its $200 million Series C raise in November 2021. Okay, so now they're valued over $7 billion. In January, MetaMask exceeded 30 million monthly active users accessing Web3 applications, a 42% increase in four months. And Fura is the leading Ethereum development platform with 430,000 developers and in excess of $1 trillion in annualized on-chain ETH transaction volume supported through and Fura's Ethereum API. So you've got Ethereum now with supposedly over 430,000 developers working on projects on the Ethereum development platform. It says funding will support the hiring of over 600 new employees globally and continued reinvestment in development and tooling for the extended Ethereum ecosystem. So what I want you to understand first is, all right, this isn't some little rinky-dink operation with two nerds uh, sitting in a room. This was founded in 2015 by Joseph Lupin, uh, Lubin, partner of Viteran Budalak, the founder of Ethereum. Uh, they were co-founders, actually, on Ethereum, uh, funded by Peter Thiel when they were actually developing it, right? So now they're talking about hiring another 600 people, and the Ethereum network has over 430,000 developers worldwide operating on the development platform. All right, so this is a big deal, folks, a huge ecosystem. All right, so this is consensus here, consensus that I found that's working with uh, the central banks and working with Visa and MasterCard. And remember, we uncovered the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub document, which outlined the project that they just did this cross-border test with four territories uh, running CBDC across uh, borders. And who did we find that actually was developing it? It was consensus, and they were doing it on top of the Ethereum framework. All right, so this is huge. This is big. Obviously, you're not going to hear this stuff on Fox News. You're not going to hear it on 99.9% of podcasts. But this is a big find for us here. It's obviously being reported out in crypto news. But bringing this info to you, this is going to help us start to figure out what is actually coming, ladies and gentlemen. We found the folks that are building it. We are inside the belly of the beast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. 
on Bing.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast. All right, folks, let me just show you this. We're not going to go through this whole press release, but I just found this to be interesting. Just to, just to show you, it's sort of a teaching moment here. So this again, this is March 15, 2022. It says, today consensus announced the close of a $450 million USD financing round, bringing its valuation to over $7 billion. Parify Capital led this raise after participating in consensus's Series C round in November 2021. They were joined by new investors, including Temasek, SoftBank, Vision Fund 2, Microsoft, Anthos Capital, Sound Ventures, and C Ventures. Okay, it says Series C Investors, Third Point, Marshall Waste, True Capital Management, UTAVC, United Talent Agencies Venture Fund. Okay, they, they control uh, artists, basically. Also participated in the round, Sullivan and Cromwell LLP acted as Consensus's legal advisor in this transaction. And we can go you know, into depth here on Sullivan and Cromwell. I'm not going to do that on this show. Uh, But you just take somebody like Microsoft, for instance. So all these people are now investing. All these companies are investing. I just want to show you this. So you go over to Microsoft. You say to yourself, how do these guys get control of all these companies? And I think we talked about it with Wide Awake Jim, how you have Bank for International Settlements, and then you have BlackRock, you have Vanguard, you have State Street that really do the bidding. These guys go in, they buy up uh, between the three companies a sizable chunk of a particular company, and then they're able to come in and force the uh, wokeness. They can force the ESGs. They can force all this. And this is how when you're sitting around watching the Super Bowl, all of a sudden uh, 45 of the 50 ads that play have uh, some message like a boy could be a girl or buy an EV car. Well, that's because all those brands that we're familiar with have been taken over uh, through uh, these companies like BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street. And then companies like, let's say, Microsoft, I don't know, I pulled it up here. I'm on CNN Business, that's money.cnn.com, and this is uh, Microsoft Corporation, and over here we have the top 10 owners of Microsoft, I have this up on the screen, and you've got the Vanguard Group, uh, 8.10% stake, BlackRock, 4.48% stake, SSGA, that's State Street Funds Management, 3.96% stake. So what's that? 12, 13, 17%. So they have a big controlling stake here in Microsoft. Now, Microsoft goes and they make an investment in a company like Consensus. And now you basically have a company like that controlled. I mean, this is just how it works. There's no secret. I mean, this isn't some like big reveal here. I just thought it was interesting as I was poking around and doing a little investigation into who's behind consensus and then who's behind the companies behind consensus. And so you can find uh, that kind of stuff here. All right. 
Now, let's just, uh, I'm going to read a tiny bit from this. Actually, you know what? I'm going to come back to this press release later when we delve into consensus. Because right now, I want to show you uh, a couple of other things. This is at pomp.substack.com. This author is Anthony Apopoliano. I found his stuff to be quite interesting. You might want to follow him. He has an article that says central bank digital currencies will be one of the greatest violations of human rights in history. Now, this guy's also involved with uh, some crypto stuff, so you'll have to just take it for what it is, but there's good information in here. So let me just read this to you. It says two investors, and I don't know, I, I guess this guy manages people's funds or something, but it says the invention of blockchain technology solved a decades-long computer science problem and unleashed a monetary revolution in the form of Bitcoin. This decentralized digital currency has taken the world by storm. It has been adopted by hundreds of millions of people globally and is worth approximately $1 trillion in market cap based on daily fluctuations in U.S. dollar price. Not bad for a technology that is completely open source. Bitcoin has no CEO, no marketing department, and raised no venture capital dollars and as it was being built or scaled. Decentralization means that no one individual or group controls the product. Any major changes need the agreement of a large portion of the community, including software developers to miners to node operators, in order to be implemented for users. Now, I don't necessarily buy in to any of this, but this is official narrative, so let's just read it. As you can imagine, the legacy system has watched the rise of Bitcoin with a combination of admiration and fear. Many of the traditional institutions, especially central banks, are impressed with the creation of truly digital currency, along with how quickly people have adopted this technology in every economy. These same people are watching in fear as they realize that their organizations have zero control of the money supply in this new digital financial system. Now, you know my opinion. I don't agree with that. I would, uh, I would probably say to you that the central bank system probably created Bitcoin as a test pilot for cross-border cryptocurrency. I'm t- I mean, that's just what I believe. I don't think there's um, something going on that the governments and the central banks don't want, and they could have just shut it down if they wanted to. That would be allowed to live on the Internet. It goes on to say, the control and production of money has historically been reserved for central banks. But this monopoly on money is directly tied to the central bank's close relationship with government. The government has a monopoly on violence. So they are able to ensure that central banks will continue their singular control and production of money. Any attempt to circumvent the central banking structure has been met with a swift and ruthless response. Now, that is obviously 100% true. This is why the decentralization of Bitcoin is so important. Without a single point of failure, including a CEO or corporation or centralized servers, there is a much smaller attack surface for governments and their violent monopoly. Since central banks cannot rely on governments to shut down this new entrant to the system, central bankers have been forced to consider how they can compete in the free market. Now, Again, I just don't believe this. Uh, If they wanted to shut it, okay, let's say everything was in fact decentralized. Let's pretend that every one of us has a little server in our closet and we're running this whole system and the government just can't stop it. They can't figure out whose house to turn the internet off to. 
Well, they can use the central bank's money to go in and buy all the Bitcoin, manipulate the market, crash it, destroy it, keep it down for many years, and everyone would have been out of it a long time ago. That's why I just happen to believe they built it, and it's been a test pilot for them all along. All right, it says here, central bankers aren't known for being innovative. In fact, I would argue that central bankers are successful because they move at a glacial pace and make systematic bets on the world changing very slowly. But Bitcoin has forced these institutions to consider digitizing their fiat currencies in a way that emulates Bitcoin's technology, but contains some key differences. Again, I don't buy that, but uh, what he's going to talk about is very true. It says, digitizing the dollar, euro, peso, etc. is merely a technology upgrade. The monetary policy of these fiat currencies are unchanged, similar to how physical currencies were transitioned to electronic CUSIPs in centralized databases. Central banks are considering a technology upgrade to token-based fiat currencies that are compatible with digital wallets. So why are they considering this transition? The optimistic person would argue that the incorporation of new technology is an attempt at modernization for an antiquated system. Individual users of central bank digital currencies would be able to send any amount of money 24-7, 365. The thought of hours of operations would be a thing of the past. The payment rails that CBDCs would be built on would be more efficient. Faster settlement times, cheaper transaction fees, etc. Lastly, there would be an increased transparency in the system, with theoretically could decrease crime and increase the safety of the market. Oh, yes, they're going to develop this to decrease uh, crime. Goes on to say, that is the positive perspective, but we have to be very careful here. Central bank digital currencies will likely be one of the greatest violations of human rights in history. Now, although I don't agree with him on Bitcoin and the advent of cryptocurrency, I do agree with him on the points he brings up here as far as the greatest violation of human rights in history. Goes on to say, central bank digital currencies remove the privacy and decentralized nature of physical cash. It creates an environment where central banks have complete control over every aspect of a citizen's financial life. Here are a couple of examples of the nasty shit that we can expect to see in the coming decades. All right, this is very important. It says personalized inflation. Central banks currently have the ability to manipulate interest rates and expand, contract the supply of money. Any changes that they make are applied to all citizens equally. Individual market participants may make decisions to benefit or suffer from these decisions, but the dollars that I hold are subject to the same monetary policy as the dollars that you hold. This is going to change with CBDCs. The central bank will be able to personalize the monetary policy to the individual. Folks, please pay careful attention to this. And this is coming from someone. This is why I'm using this gentleman's article. He is inside this business. He understands money and finance more than I do. He says, this is going to change with CBDCs. The central bank will be able to personalize the monetary policy to the individual. 
just as your newsfeed, search results, and music playlists are personalized based on vast amounts of data, the same is coming to money. And we've talked about this here. They even drive people into these personalized choose-your-own-adventure feedback loops. All right, I talked to you about... Um, I talked to you about this type of technology and how it's been rolled out over the last 10 years. goes on to say, maybe I get a higher inflation rate in an attempt to get me to spend money while you receive a lower inflation rate. The differentiation of monetary policy can be cut a million ways, including where you live, who you are, your wealth status, your occupation, your purchase history, and much more more you got that okay so this is the idea that we're talking about here programmable money which i'm about to get into a little deeper before we finish up on the consensus stuff and move into the panel discussion reviews i want you to understand this idea of programmable money inside and out but he does a great job there all right so now this is personalized inflation so my money will act differently than your money and it'll all be based on algorithms and an artificial intelligence as i've explained to you now when we get back he gives us three more points that we're going to discuss here all very important and then i'm going to show you what's actually happening right now in the real world that is going to bring this stuff to fruition ladies and gentlemen stay with me trust me you're going to want to know this because this is the world that we are quickly moving into my name is dustin gold i'm going to quickly move to a break you are listening to the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to Pain.tv slash gold, and I am Dustin Gold. All right, let's jump right back in because we have a lot to cover here, folks. All right, so we just talked about personalized inflation, where the money is programmed to your spending habits. And this gentleman here at pomp.substack.com is talking about how uh, this central bank digital currency is going to be the greatest violation on human rights in history, in history. And this as I've explained to you, is how you bring in the system of full-blown technocracy. This is the systematic control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. Okay, This is how you get it done. It says financial censorship. Once the central bank digital currency is in the hands of a population, the central bank has solidified complete control. They will no longer have to go to the court system or invoke emergency powers to tell you who can transact with. This can be implemented through remote digital technologies. These central bankers will be able to see what is in your bank account, who you transact with, what you purchase, and anything else they are curious about in your financial life. 
That full transparency with the state removes all elements of privacy while also giving the institutions the ability to censor any and all transactions, regardless of whether they have a legitimate reason or not. All right. You know how you go on a little road trip? Let's say you live in Kentucky. You go on a road trip to Texas. You go to use your credit card and it comes up declined or you get a text message that tells you possible fraud alerts and you got to press one to let it go through press two to deny it or call up that company well this is what will be happening in real time with central bank digital currency i told you folks if all of a sudden you go to the doctor and you are diagnosed with diabetes six seconds later when you're standing at walgreens trying to buy a snickers bar your cbdc is not going to work This is how the system is being built. This is programmable money. This is what we are talking about. This system of total control. Total control. As Dan Golvach said here on episode 94, this is it. Game over once this happens. All right. It goes on to say social credit system. This is number three, the third reason why this is going to be the greatest human rights violation in the history of mankind. Social credit system. When central banks and governments gain complete control over the financial system, they have the ability to reward or punish individual citizens for the actions they take. Have you been eating too much candy? You can't buy candy anymore. Have you been gambling? Now you can't use public transportation that heads in the direction of the casino. This all sounds like crazy talk until you realize that the Bank of England is openly talking about this in public now. China has already put one in place. Canada is implementing one in real time as we speak. Are you fat? Only healthy people. Uh, Only healthy food can be purchased. Do you associate with people the central bank doesn't like? No entertainment for you. This is a slippery slope that is approaching quickly. It is approaching very quickly. In fact, in many ways, it is already here. Okay, think about all the folks that you've heard about since, let's say, 2015 that have been censored online. Maybe you've had your Twitter account shut down. Maybe people like Mike Moore have had his ad revenue pulled. Maybe people like Douglas Ticotti, I know, had his uh, account shut down, had his YouTube ad revenue take away. Maybe people like me have lost accounts. I know people that have lost PayPal accounts. I'm telling you, it's here. It's here. It's not in the full form yet. When it reaches full form, it will be happening to you, folks. If all of a sudden you associate with me in a grocery store and I am marked, I am a target, maybe they don't let you purchase food that day. I mean, think about this. Finally, number four, expiration of money. If you're a central banker, you are constantly trying to incentivize people to spend money in the economy so that you can increase the velocity of money. Without the velocity of money, the system starts to break down. So what better way to increase velocity of money than to have people's money expire if they don't spend it in certain period of time? Well, where does that come from? Where does that come from? That comes from Technocracy Incorporated. Comes from the energy certificates. Remember, you get an allotment of energy certificates 
at the beginning of the year, the beginning of the fiscal cycle, and then those will expire 12 months, uh, 18 months, 24 months, whatever the uh, uh, fiscal-like cycle is going to be. An energy uh, certificate document, 1937, written by Technocracy Incorporated. They said they hadn't figured that out yet. But that's the idea, is at the end, the money will expire. Therefore, it forces you to use it within a uh, given amount of time. This article goes on to say the United States already has a version of this through SNAP benefits and EBT cards where the money expires one year after it is issued unless it has been used. So you can't roll it over. You can't build it up like the old rollover minutes on cell phone plans or your boss might let you roll over vacation days to the next year. Well, you can't do that in this system. In the CBDC system, that won't be allowed. Under SNAP and EBT currently, that's not allowed. So I started looking into SNAP and EBT, uh, EBT, and this is correct. So you're going to see this, folks. I'm not kidding. And and it may happen, say, with Social Security. So if they disseminate 1,200 CBDC tokens to you this month, you may have to spend those by the end of the month or they expire. And that forces you to go out in the system and continue to spend and not to save. Remember, with the old energy certificates, you are not allowed to save. You can't transfer them to other people. You cannot gift them to other people. You cannot sell them to other people because it's tagged to you. And you cannot save. No one is allowed to build wealth in the technique. And this is what we're moving into. This is it in real time. This is it in the present. This is the system that we uncovered with Technocracy Incorporated being built right now as we speak. Goes on to say the uh, expectation is that government will expand this idea of expiration of money to include shorter timelines and a larger number of programs in the future. As this guy Pop goes on to say, these are just four examples of various activities that I anticipate central banks will engage in once they are successful in creating and distributing central bank digital currencies. As the saying goes, absolute power corrupts absolutely. The dream of every dictator or authoritarian leader globally is to have full control over every aspect of their citizens' lives. If the government can not only censor your financial transactions based on a social credit system, but they can also personalize the monetary policy and give you money with an expiration date, then we are headed to a dystopian future that no one will want to live in. And folks, all the companies we're talking about that we've talked about over the last few episodes are part of building this system. All hands are on deck. They're all involved. Pop goes on to say the basic human right is that we are all born free. The creation of central bank digital currencies will completely eliminate that premise. Every human born will be starting off in an authoritarian state that requires them to be a digital slave to a central bank that has total control over their life. If you don't have the freedom to transact, you don't have freedom. Central bank digital currencies are the next frontier for the battle of freedom. Every human should have the right to financial privacy and independence. This is an important conversation that must start now. Without a global awareness, central banks will pull off the greatest violation of human rights we have ever seen, and citizens will cheer them on while they do it. Hope you have a great day. Talk to everyone tomorrow. Pop. Now, I am going to see if I can get Pomp on the show, because although we don't agree with the first part, 
that Bitcoin was some kind of savior to fight the system. I don't believe that. It's totally fine. Everything else that this gentleman explained is spot on, folks. So you have the four major reasons that CBDCs are going to be the greatest violation of human rights in history. Personalized inflation, financial censorship, social credit system, and expiration of money. So ladies and gentlemen, just lock that into your head. I'm telling you, very important, very well written. Uh, This is in layman's terms. It's fantastic. And you can find this at pomp.substack.com. And if you want to read it, Just go look for uh, February 22nd, and this is Central Bank Digital Currencies will be one of the greatest violations of human rights in history. Fantastic piece. I commend you, sir. All right. Now, we've talked a little bit about how they are going to be able to roll out CBDCs. I told you that uh, if I were in charge... I would start looking for the largest group of people that I could get to adopt this as quickly as possible, and that would be folks receiving Social Security. So I would roll out CBDCs first with Social Security, and then you're going to have a bunch of the retired folk uh, going into the grocery stores, going into retail locations, shopping online with CBDC, and that will force the adoption by the merchants, which doesn't really have to be done with much force because, as I told you, Either the big companies are already on board and controlled by, you know, the likes of BlackRock and such, but at the same time, each of these uh, companies from the big ones down to the mom and pops, they have point of sale systems that run their cash registers. So if you go into a small coffee shop, uh, an ice cream shop, you will see most of those people running their systems on Square. Okay, so Square just has to implement the ability for them to take CBDC, and boom, it's implemented. And again, this partnership that Consensus has with Visa, they can roll that out very easily by people being able to tap their Visa card, and instead of just seeing, uh, like say it's attached to your bank account, it will say debit, credit and then it'll also say cbdc that's how simple this is so you would say to yourself how are they going to do this how are they going to go after people with uh, social security well just like i showed you a few episodes back that the government is orchestrating this uh shortage of certain medications in order to push these new government lab made psychedelics on people the extension of mk ultra well you just orchestrate a scenario like this folks this is at govexec.com g-o-v-e-x-e-c.com and this article right here ladies and gentlemen from two days ago november 28th 2022 says social security warns public of declining service if congress doesn't increase funding the agency that administers americans retirement and disability benefits employed an unusual tactic in its effort to lobby lawmakers to approve president biden's proposed 14.8 billion dollar budget for the social security administration so you set the stage folks if you want to screw up the supply chains you orchestrate a trucker strike you orchestrate a rail worker strike 
You know, if you want to start to push forward with a digital currency, remember what we just read. They're pushing this idea that they can reduce costs. They don't need as many people working within the supply chain of printing a check and getting you the check. And they could do this all with artificial intelligence. That's how it'll be sold to the people. So here it is, the beginning of the orchestrated collapse of the current social security system. And that's how you'll begin to be able to work CBDC into the digital wallets of the old folk out there. So when we get back, I'm going to go through this article quickly. And I want to show you a couple more pieces, what the International Monetary Fund chief is saying. We're going to show you uh, a nice piece I found on expiring money. Very important. That'll be an expansion on what we just read from Pomp. And then we're going to take a look at uh, blockchain and social credit score in China, because this all relates to what we just introduced to you folks. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the dustin gold standard i am dustin gold and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold all right again folks we're over here at govexec.com the title of this piece, Social Security Warns Public of Declining Service if Congress Doesn't Increase Funding. So let's just read from this quickly and let's see the uh, stage that these folks are setting. It says the Social Security Administration last week warned the public that unless Congress approves a $1.4 billion increase in funding for the agency in fiscal 2023, the agency's customer service will continue to deteriorate. You hear that, old folks out there? The customer service is going to go down. Well, customer service has been going down with every major company and the government for many, many years. And that will just be the introduction of more artificial intelligence, which actually is causing the problems with customer service. But, hey, whatever, the big guys decided this is what the new system is going to look like. This is your new normal. Goes on to say, over the last decade, Social Security has seen its workload increase. Oh, how about you stop taking people's money from them? Um, Remember, folks, Social Security started back there under the New Deal when they tagged everyone with a Social Security number, which was uh, straight out of Technocracy Incorporated's plan. Everyone needed to be assigned basically a Dewey Decimal System number. And that's how you would be tracked for your energy certificates. Well, that's how you'll be tracked inside of this system that they're building as well, which is energy certificates on steroids. So Social Security has seen its workload increase with the number of beneficiaries increasing 21% between 2010 and 2021, while its budget and workforce has dwindled. 
Over the same time period, the agency's budget has fallen by 13% when accounting for inflation. Oh, they're affected too? While its workforce has declined by 7%, or roughly 4,000 employees since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, how about you don't cause inflation and you didn't orchestrate the scandemic? Well, if you didn't do those things, you wouldn't have problems there. Remember, Social Security is government. It is the state. So the state orchestrated this stuff, and now the state has problems. But that's all on purpose, folks. Problem, reaction, solution. And the solution will be CBDC. I don't know yet when it's going to be rolled out, but I guarantee you that Social Security will be one of the first five or six uh, markets they're going to go after. goes on to say, when Congress passed the continuing resolution in September as a stopgap to keep the government open until December 16th, it included $400 million in emergency funding for Social Security to cover cost increases and support the agency's ongoing hiring efforts all right and so let's just see uh i don't know if i want to cover all this but they are whining yeah so basically what's going on here and let's let's continue Let, let's just finish this up it says but in a rare blog post on the agency's financial situation social security deputy commissioner for communications jeff nesbitt wrote that the agency will need far more funding to maintain an acceptable level of service although federal agencies frequently issue warnings about the dangers of inadequate appropriations or short-term funding deals on their ability to fulfill their mission That typically occurs via letters to lawmakers or testimony before Congress. Quote, Congress provided us with $400 million, which provides enough funding to cover our fixed cost increases only through December. Overtime at fiscal 2022 levels and continuous hiring at the start of fiscal 2023, end quote, Nesbitt wrote. Quote, however... It is not enough to cover the full-year fixed cost increases or to maintain the hiring and overtime levels beyond December to improve service. On the other hand, the fiscal 2023 president's budget request of $14.8 billion for Social Security Administration, a $1.4 billion increase over fiscal 2022 enacted level of funding, would allow us to improve customer service and offer the service experience you deserve, end quote. It says Social Security has been under a microscope over the last year due to service delivery difficulties stemming from the pandemic. Problem, reaction, solution, folks. Although some Republican lawmakers have blamed telework for long lines at agency field offices throughout the country, employee groups and advocates have argued that delays there and in the disability application process are in fact due to chronic underfunding and understaffing. So you also have them handling here disability disability payments that will be handled by cbdc as well so as you see folks the stage is being set goes on to say last month officials with the american federation of government employees which represents thousands of social security employees urged congress to approve 16.5 billion in funding for the agency which would amount to a 1.7 billion dollar increase over the biden administration's budget proposal And let's go back here into Nesbitt's blog post where he acknowledged the toll increasing workloads have had on his agency's workforce. Quote, we are also experiencing historically high levels of employees leaving the agency because employees are carrying unreasonable workloads, giving the staffing shortage. 
as we lose employees our service further deteriorates you feel the effects of our staffing shortage you are waiting an unacceptable average of over six months for a decision on an initial disability claim and over 30 minutes to speak to a representative on our national 800 number end quote so you see what's really going on here folks is imagine all the people maybe it's you who are actually dealing with these buffoons in the state holding your hand out to them because they created a system in which you need to hold your hand out to them i'm not blaming you to be able to get money so that you can put food on the table just like i hold my hand out to you folks and ask you to donate at donorbox.org slash dustin cold show that was a shameless shameless plug but i just figured i'd stick it in there it was funny uh it goes on to say the agency warned that unless congress approves the president's budget request for social security officials will have to take a series of steps that will continue the downward service trend including hiring freezes overtime cuts and cutting funding for already over two it investments yeah this is definitely setting the stage for this for the rollout of cbdc i can see it right now because you know when you give them an extra 1.4 billion dollars it means nothing they always come back for more but this is basically an intentional collapse and they're blaming covid and all of the same things that everyone else has to deal with now tomorrow i'm going to go into depth on an article i found that explains uh the labor shortage is going on it's a very well written piece and so what's happening here in frederick county maryland i told you about a restaurant i go to white rabbit pizza where you go into this uh it's it's a really good pizza place not italian pizza it's like a detroit uh deep dish pizza but really really good like super high-end delicious and so they're also a uh, a pub you know a bar and now they want you to scan the QR code at your table, uh, pull up the menu like they were doing during COVID, and then you would order from the waiter so they had the touchless menus. But now they want you to actually order online, pay online, and then have a runner come out of the back of the kitchen and bring you your food, but he's not a waiter. You do all of your ordering online. Well, I forgot the name of the company. I think it was called Toast. I did a show on it uh, here at the Dustin Gold Standard. Well, my brother-in-law, who goes out more than I do, told me that he's now seen it in three other restaurants here in Frederick County. Now, these are independent mom and pops. These are not chains. This isn't going into Applebee's, Chili's, Outback Steakhouse, or McDonald's. These are mom and pops. So they must have a salesperson on the ground who's going in and selling this service. And so when I talk to the manager at White Rabbit, He said they really are having a hard time finding people to work. They would love to have waiters and waitresses, but they can't. They can't find them. So I started doing a little digging on the employee shortages, and we're going to go into that because, again, it was a perfect storm created by the COVID land, the high school theater production, coupled with all these new policies and regulations that were pushed through under COVID land. And so now you see it's affecting uh, the folks. I'm sure this is real inside Social Security. But this is an orchestrated collapse of the current system. Remember, Peter Thiel has said the Great Reset, basically COVID land, was going to provide an opportunity to usher in this new economy and push out the old economy. All the pieces are coming together. This article ends with, quote, it is critical that we have the resources to restore staffing losses and continue our important IT investments or face years of deteriorating services that you will not and should not expect. 
we must be able to provide timely and quality service to everyone who depends on it, end quote, Nesbitt said. All right, folks, so this is definitely uh, setting the stage for a rollout of central bank digital currency and running this whole thing on artificial intelligence and on the blockchain, and it'll get to you easier. You'll get your money every month. You can go spend it wherever you want, except where they tell you you can't. No, this is definitely 100% setting the stage for that. So what I'm going to do over the next couple of days of my own is I'm doing a little more research into companies like consensus possibly working right now with the social security administration i'm going to look at what tech companies are in there i'm going to look what kind of blockchain technology they're building into this because if you're on social security then you should uh, start to prepare for what is about to happen i'm telling you i just i know how they work if you're going to roll this out you're not going to start with uh, low-level, small-time people like me, like entrepreneurs, and try to force us into CBDC. You're going to start with large chunks of people that are taking money from the government. So whether that be Social Security, disability, EBT, welfare, all that type of stuff, you're going to start with them because those people aren't going to say, No, I don't want it. They're going to say, I want my money. So if you say, well, we're going to pay you in central bank digital currency now, you just have to download the app on your smartphone, and then you're going to be able to use it connected to your bank card or your Visa card. They're going to do it. Folks are just going to do it. I mean, you might complain for about five minutes, just like when Social Security stopped issuing checks and they made you take a direct deposit. Uh, Five minutes later, you'll accept it. So this is how you roll it out. This is how you force adoption. This is social engineering, um, technocracy, the the, uh, system or the science of social engineering. You engineer people into it by giving them no other option all right ladies and gentlemen we have an option right here i either continue or i take a break i'm going to choose the latter i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. All right, folks, up on the screen for the video audience over there at Payne.tv slash gold, we have exposenews.com that's exposenews.com if you're a reader folks they're asking for money and saying they're going to go out of business if you don't send them a donation uh so we're looking at um october 19th uh 2022 here and this is international monetary fund chief says central bank digital currency should be used alongside social credit system to control what people can and cannot buy. Now we're going to be reviewing uh, a video on this in a few episodes, but I want to put this in here because it fits in with what we're talking about today. 
It says the deputy managing director of the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, recently explained how central bank digital currencies can be programmed to determine what people are allowed to buy and insisted they should be used alongside a China-style social credit score system. All right. People like myself on various podcasts have been talking about China's social score system for, I don't know, 10 years maybe. And finally, people are talking about it again when it's too late. Goes on to say, unlike cryptocurrency, which is private, not really, central bank digital currency will be issued and controlled by the central banks themselves. In many ways, it's the same as banknotes, but that every single transaction will be monitored for compliance and so they've got the video up here central bank digital currency for financial inclusion and we're going to be actually reviewing this video in a couple of episodes but i do want to uh, read this to you because i think it's important to sandwich this in it says on friday october 14th the imf international monetary fund streamed a meeting called quote central bank digital currencies for financial inclusion risks and rewards end quote Speakers were Her Majesty Queen Maxima of the Netherlands, who's also the United Nations Secretary General's Special Advocate for Inclusive Finance for Development. It's inclusive, folks. Kristalina uh, Georgieva, Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, and Bo Lee, Deputy Managing Director. We're going to cover Bo Lee quite a bit here. And finally, Cecilia Skingsley, the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub Director. And that was the document that we reviewed yesterday, the uh, BIS Innovation Hub document showing that consensus helped build the platform and it's built on top of Ethereum. That was for their uh, phase two and three tests. It says the meeting was about global financial inclusion, right? Folks, if you don't have a bank account, then apparently you want to be included. You just can't get one. So don't worry. These guys are going to help you be included in this scam, in this scheme, central bank digital currency. So the meeting was about global financial inclusion, which they said had improved over the past 10 years, but also a quarter of the world's adult population are still unbanked. And there's a study that was done here in the United States showing that something like It was so tiny, folks. The percentage, it was like a million people that were unbanked and something like 75% said, yeah, we don't want to bank. But see, they have to force everyone onto the system. So it's not about including you. It's about coercing you or threatening you to operate within their system. And how can they do that? Exactly what Howard Scott, the founder of Technocracy Incorporated, talked about. They'll just engineer you into the system you won't have a choice uh it goes on to say it's hoped that central bank digital currencies would be affordable widely accepted and safe instruments which would address some of the issues surrounding financial inclusion among other things the live stream went under the radar for many but our buddy tom hitchcliffe over at the sociable kept an eye on what was going on tim posted a video of Uh, Bo Lee, the Deputy Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, explaining how CBDCs can be programmed. 
He said, talking about uh, Bo Lee here, the smart contract would allow targeted policy functions like welfare payments, consumption coupons, food stamps, etc. With CBDCs, we can precisely control what people can and cannot own. Also, what kind of use this money can be programmed for, like food only. That's Bo Lee, folks, managing deputy managing director of the IMF. Now, I told you this a couple of episodes ago. Now we're proving it to you. Uh, we've had various articles we've covered. We talked about programmable money. We talked about expiring money. And now we're actually seeing it coming out of the mouths of the actual regulators, the people who control the system, the technocrats, the scientists, the engineers, the technologists who are in charge of the system. And so right here, I'm going to read that to you one more time from the deputy managing director of the IMF. The smart contract would allow targeted policy functions like welfare payments, consumption coupons, food stamps, etc. With CBDCs, we can precisely control what people can and cannot own. Also, what kind of use this money can be programmed for, like food only. And that's exactly what I told you. They're going to be able to program it. They're going to be able to do anything they want. In real time, it'll be done through artificial intelligence. Your Social Security money that comes in will only be allowed to be spent at certain places on certain items, and they will be able to manipulate it in real time. All right, it goes on to say, Bo Lee went on to say that because of this potential uh, uh, programmability, government agencies could precisely target support packages to the right people. He went on to say that, quote, CBDCs can't solve every financial inclusion challenge, but they can work together with financial literacy and digital literacy, end quote. So... A CBDC would work with other policies like digital identities and digital wallets. This goes hand in glove with what the World Bank described in November 2021. Quote, digital identity verification is essential to the operation of CBDCs, particularly in cross-border transactions, end quote. They also said, quote, tradable digital assets must be tied to a digital identity system, which in turn should be tied to an automatic know your customer and AML slash CFT verification system, end quote. Digital IDs, folks. Does that not make a lot of sense? Why? They were pushing that concept over under COVID land, the high school theater production. My guess is, is that will be rolled out in whatever the next live action role play is. Because I know for a fact from some people that have come over to the United States, friends of my wife and such, who are supposed to show their COVID papers, they're forced to still get a COVID jab. Uh, and a booster before they come into the United States, if you're not a United States citizen. Well, they're coming right through and not even showing the papers. Because the papers can be forged, folks. I could write up a COVID card if I wanted to. But once you have the digital IDs, then that's what's going to tie you in to basically the equivalent of your social security number. You know, you marked inside the technocratic Dewey Decimal System, and then that will be tied to your central bank digital currency wallet. <laughs> 
goes on to say, quote, this is a foundational step to the potential use of CBDCs in emerging developments in regulatory and compliance technology may benefit central banks' experiments in the digital currency space, end quote. All right, remember, this came out of the World Bank Group, a document in November 2021. Bo Lee described the CBDC as an ecosystem and that the data it would produce would be very valuable to third parties. And again, this is all about data, folks. This is where Yuval Noah Harari, king philosopher to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab talks about. Those who control the data will be the gods of the new era. Well, he is not wrong, ladies and gentlemen. It goes on to say, when questioned on how this transactional data could be used, Bo Lee explained, quote, I can give you one example in China. Those transaction data can be utilized by service providers in credit underwriting, end quote. Underwriting is the process by which the lender decides whether an applicant is creditworthy and should receive a loan. Quote, those transaction data in terms of how many coffees I drink every day, where I buy coffee, do I use Uber every day, and what kind of working hours I have, end quote. You see this? This is Bo Lee, the deputy director here of the IMF. This is what he's talking about right out in the open, folks. These are the guys who are setting the policy at the highest levels. Quote, those non-traditional data can be very useful for financial service providers to give me a credit score. And based on that credit score, the service providers can give me a credit line without any face-to-face due diligence, end quote. Bo Lee continues to say that this, quote, will create value in addition to finance, and that data can be very profitable. And that's the value we're talking about to make it attractive to private sector players to join this ecosystem, end quote. You got that? Did you understand what he said? Will create value in addition to finance and that data can be very profitable and that's the value we are talking about to make it attractive to private sector players to join this ecosystem so they're going to bribe them with the ability to make more money to drive them into adopting the system It's like the Chinese model, but every country has the option to do it differently. There is limited privacy. The IMF, World Bank, and Bank for International Settlements are also managing many central banks on these new products. On the issue of data privacy, Cecilia Skingsley, the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub Director, that's the document we reviewed, explained, quote, what we just heard from Bo about credit scoring was a very good example of how different countries will take different journeys to a, quote, new world, end quote, where they serve their societies in the digital space, end quote. And so Skingsley, the BIS Innovation Hub director, goes on to say, we will have different preferences, and this preference on privacy or anonymity, uh, anonymity is tricky end quote and she continued to say quote that is worth to give up a little bit of privacy to get security end quote what have i said to you before folks you are getting perceived convenience and trade for your freedom your personal liberty and your human autonomy and so here they're talking about privacy and security well there's an old saying folks Those who trade security 
uh, for those who trade freedom for security deserve neither, right? And now this is what they're talking about here. You're just going to give up a little bit of privacy. What's privacy? It's part of freedom. You're going to give up a little bit of freedom, freedom for security. I don't need security. I don't want to be on your system. I want to train pine cones back and forth with people. I don't want to be on central bank digital currency. All right, folks, when we get back, let's finish this up, and then I'm going to show you a little bit on this expiring money, and I'm going to show you what uh, China is currently doing with their social score system. Because it's here, folks. It's on our shores. We have to face reality. Um, I want to figure out, as I've said many times, how long it's going to be before they start rolling this out. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, I'll be in a position to be able to insulate myself a bit from it, and you will as well. That's the whole point of this show, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold. And you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold. Alright, let's continue here, folks, again. We're at expose-news.com. It goes on to say, sharing of transactional data was further emphasized by Her Majesty Queen Maxima of the Netherlands. In her opening remarks, she said, quote, a good design of CBDC could give people more control of their transactional data and their ability to share it with a wider set of financial sector providers, end quote. Most recently, according to Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, CBDCs won't be anonymous and will be identity verified. So their transactions will be made public, supposedly, to these third parties. And, uh, folks, are you going to start sending your DNA profiles over to Elon Musk at Twitter to get your blue check mark? Oh, they want to identify you as a human, folks. This is all playing in. This is all part of the same system, ladies and gentlemen. It's all part of the technocracy. Goes on to say, as well as programmability, another potential downside to having a CBDC is that, like China, the global West can shut off your digital wallet if you protest or speak negatively about the global elites, as was the case recently in China. The authorities' response to any civil disobedience can be swift and broad. Globalists want centralized control and dominance structures where everything is tracked and surveilled instead of a decentralized and private system of digital money and identity. I don't want a um, decentralized and private system of digital money and identity. Uh, Anything that involves digital leads to centralized control, leads to a slave plantation, leads to the matrix. You see what the supposed decentralized system of Bitcoin has brought us to. Now you're supposed to believe that the central bank looked at their business model and thought it was pretty cool. And now they're going to harness it and take control. 
technology is the enemy, ladies and gentlemen. And soon, soon, we're going to get back to that and covering the 1995 paper that I started back in episode 10, Industrial Society and Its Future. I think we've covered enough technocracy and transhumanism to roll that paper back out because you're going to appreciate it much more now that we have uh, deep dived into so much of this other stuff goes on to say they're not joking the parameters they set for cbdc digital currency will nudge our behaviors through social scoring to control society and there's a side note here it says let's not forget that earlier this year at the world government summit aptly titled quote a new world order end quote the economist Pipa Malgren dropped the beans saying that, quote, we are on the brink of a dramatic change. We are about to abandon the traditional system of money and replace it with a new one, digital blockchain CBDC, which will give us greater clarity over every single transaction, end quote. That's right. Every single transaction would be made available to the central banks and their private uh, service providers for this credit scoring great piece i thought it was fantastic folks and uh, i think it helps sum up a lot of what we've been talking about here and we are going to review in detail this imf discussion i have about four videos that we need to analyze over the coming week and that's going to include uh, international monetary fund bank for international settlements world economic forum and the united nations we're going to be going through that stuff and pulling out as many nuggets as we can as we try to understand uh, the full scope of CBDC and when it's actually coming, ladies and gentlemen, and what the hell we're going to do about it. We have to start talking about solutions, but I have to lay a little bit more of the foundation first before we discuss that. All right, right now I have up. This is going back to August 2020, and this is at decrypt.co, right? That's owned by Consensus, owned by Joe Lubin former partners with Vitalak Buterin, funded by Peter Thiel to develop Ethereum. See, that's the chain. (laughs) That's the chain of command there. It says, uh, blockchain now powers parts of China's social credit system. All right, now remember, Decrypt covers all this Web3 metaverse blockchain technology. It says, data sharing of social credit score across provinces is now possible thanks to Remin Chain. That's R-E-M-I-N space chain, C-H-A-I-N, Remin Chain, a permission blockchain product from Hangzhou's hyperchain technology. And it says, in brief, China's social score, uh, credit course, uh, credit system is getting an upgrade thanks to blockchain. Right now, the system is siloed along provincial borders, meaning data is not transferred when someone moves from province to province. While many perceive blockchain to be a tool for popular liberation, it's being used in China to increase state monitoring of individuals. Now, it says while many perceive blockchain to be a tool for popular liberation, well, those many are idiots. Folks, blockchain is not in any way whatsoever about freedom or liberation. They made people believe through propaganda, through brainwashing, through mind control 
here in the United States, it was people coming out of the so-called libertarian movement saying that blockchain and cryptocurrencies were going to free us from the government. We're going to bring us more freedom, more liberty. How is anything that operates on the freaking internet that you need to access through your smartphone or through a chip in your hand or through a brain chip screwed into the back of your head bringing you liberty and freedom? Liberty and freedom is living out on 25 acres in West Virginia in a cabin where you hunt deer and grow your own food and you don't interact with anyone else. You don't have to rely on anyone for anything. That is true freedom. Do you know how many middlemen are between you and that loaf of bread at the grocery store in today's current system and how many middlemen will be involved when it turns to CBDC? When we move into a full technique, when the government, the central bank, the commercial bank, the regulated non-bank, when Visa, when MasterCard, when the government, when all these people can control how much that loaf of bread is for you in real time and whether or not you are or are not allowed to buy it. No, this is ridiculous. There's no liberation in technology. Technology enslaves people. It goes on to say the public opinion monitoring arm of China's social credit system is getting an upgrade that will allow it to share data across platforms and provinces using blockchain technology. According to a report from state-run media, quote, Remenchain, end quote, from Hangzhou's hyperchain technology will be integrated into the People's Daily Online Public Opinion Monitoring Center. The People's Daily Online Public Opinion Monitoring Center. All right. The government apparatchik responsible for monitoring and analyzing every comment made online by China's 800 million uh, netizens. As the name implies, the center is run by People's Daily, one of the mouthpieces of the Communist Party. So this is Decrypt.co, owned by Consensus run by Joe Lubin talking about this. And you will see tomorrow uh, all the blockchain projects that they are running out of consensus on behalf of various world governments. It goes on to say China's social credit system is a complicated leviathan. On one hand, it's not exactly the Black Mirror-esque, quote, Big Brother, end quote, Orwellian system that everyone imagines. On the other hand, it does attach a real ID to everyone's online handle so that the social media users with a history of, quote, problematic, end quote, comments can be identified and dealt with. All right, so what have I told you before about the idea of the metaverse and then the idea of this prison planet slave world, physical world we live in? It's going to be connected. Everyone is going to have a digital twin. That's your digital ID, your real ID. So everything that you do online is connected to you. That's the whole point. So you're tracked all over the place. You have a digital version of you, and you have you. You already do. Everything you're doing online is tracked anyway. You have a digital footprint. They're just going to uh, make it more, um, you know, they're going to make it more real, and they're going to tell you about it rather than being sort of abstract and in the shadows right now. Goes on to say, up until now, there hasn't been a nationwide, quote, social credit, end quote, scoring system that ties online comments to a credit bureau like SCORE that dictates the ability of people to access real financial credit. Instead, most of this system is run at the 
uh, provincial level on separate platforms built by different tech companies. The provinces track everything from local infractions, parking tickets, and payment history on rent and debt, along with online comments as a way of generating a score. In theory, scoff laws and political dissidents can hop from province to province for a fresh start. Remin Chain's, quote, super ID, end quote, system will curb that. The platform proposes to break down these silos and provide a national system for tracking social credit. Now, everything that's going on there in China, folks, is the test case for what's going to be the world system. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. Under President Richard Nixon and advisor Henry Kissinger, you know, we started moving all of our manufacturing over to China. You know, Bill Clinton really finished the job. So we've been sending everything to China for a long time, folks. They're not our enemy. They're our puppet. Give me a break. We're building this social credit system over there for the last 10 years because that's going to be, that is the test pilot. That's the beta test for what's going to be rolled out at the international level. It goes on to say, the company also proposes to use this data to enhance the ability of small and medium-sized enterprises, which are often ignored by lenders, to build up trust and access credit at a lower rate. Goes on to say, enterprise software researchers, Gartner, believe using blockchain to build bridges across data silos will unlock a lot of value and increase overall data quality. But blockchain also has been a pretty effective tool for the Communist Party to increase the efficiency of its surveillance powers. Authorities in Beijing have provided startups with accelerator funding and tech uh, incumbents with subsidies to develop technology to do just that. Yeah, well, we're over there helping build it too. How many U.S. companies are in bed with China helping build this stuff? We could do a thousand episodes on that. While many see blockchain as a tool for mass liberation in China, it is enhancing the powers of the state to engage in, quote, mass surveillance and social control, end quote. Yeah, folks. Yeah, while many see blockchain as a tool for mass liberation, you're out of your mind, It's called a chain, chains of slavery, the block chain, concrete block on the ground, chained to you, to your legs, and you get thrown in the ocean and you drown to death. That's the block chain, ladies and gentlemen. You are chained to it, chained to the block via your digital ID. Everything is tracked, everything is surveilled, and you are scored. 24-7, 365, and then your CBDC money will be programmed in real time by artificial intelligence algorithms. And that's it, folks. When you get deemed for assassination, they just turn your wallet off. If they want to mess with you, you can only buy certain things today and only buy them from certain people. Sorry, Dustin. You can't shop at Farmer Carol. You can only buy food from Amazon.com. You see how that works? That is what we're moving into, folks. That is what is going on here. And so I'm going to start looking into consensus and see how much they had to do with China's blockchain because I have a funny feeling, a sneaking suspicion that that is what is going on. Folks, when we get back, let's talk about programmable money just to make sure you fully understand that concept before we move on in the coming episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. Folks, that turkey soup. I have it cooking upstairs. Man, it smells amazing, ladies and gentlemen. I got all kinds of stuff in that pot. I've got everything in there plus the kitchen sink, folks. It's going to be uh, it's going to be delicious. All right. Let's take a look at this. Um, I kind of want to wrap up on everything we've been talking about. So tomorrow I could really focus on consensus. We can look at those projects. I'm going to spend one episode on consensus. That is it. And then we're going to move on to the panel discussions because I want to get through this before Wide Awake Jim comes back on so we can tie in a lot of the research we did to what he's finding, and we can hopefully start to put together some timelines and when the rollout of CBDC is going to be coming, um, you know, on, on to basically this uh, retail level here in the United States. That's what I'm really interested in at this point. All right, it goes on here. Uh, we're at blogs.worldbank.org. So we're on the World Bank website. And this is an article from November uh, 2nd, 2022. So just a month ago. This is Expiring Money Part One. And this is by Biagio Bosani and Ahmed Faragala. All right, it says here in October 2020, Shenzhen's Luau district announced the distribution of 10 million digital yen. 200 digital yen, which is equivalent to 30 U.S. dollars, to about 50,000 people. Now, it's interesting because Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, sent me some articles about some test case UBI, universal basic income, that have been going out here in the United States. Various counties and various states are testing universal basic income. Uh, with small amounts of people like this, say like 50,000 people. So we'll get into that soon as well. And we're also going to talk about the uh, labor shortage issue. Actually, I do have to cover the labor shortage issue at the beginning of tomorrow's show. It's very important. All right, it goes on to say lucky winners could spend their money at designated shops in Luau between October 12th and 18th, 2020. A similar announcement happened in Shenzhen, where registered citizens would receive their money on January 11, 2021, and would need to spend it before January 17, 2021. Expiring money, one whose value falls to zero after a specific date, is a potential monetary policy tool. Quote, programmability, end quote, a technical feature made possible by digitalization can accelerate decisions to spend it, making it a very effective means for stimulating consumption. This could be very useful for central banks and governments distributing aid to people during severe recessions or events like pandemics or calamities when higher uncertainty makes people spend less. You got that, folks. So you create the problem, provoke reaction, 
and then you offer solutions. And so just like getting your stimulus check, you think it was just about Trump being nice and sending you a stimulus check. Folks, they provoked the problem. They created the problem. They provoked the reaction. Then they offered you the solution, which was the solution. You were always going to get the stimulus check. That was always part of the game. That was part of the psychological operation being run goes on to say, programmable money is smart money. Features of programmable money go beyond expiration. Digital money can be programmed for a predefined purpose. For example, transfer of ownership, transfer of value, redemption, and so forth. At certain dates or at the occurrence of certain contingencies, as explained by the United States Federal Reserve's Alexandra Lee 2021 and the Deutsche uh, Bundesbank. All right, I have this Federal Reserve document, actually, and I decided not to uh, go through it on today's show because it's a little bit complicated, a little bit too techy. If it gets too techy, I'm afraid you're going to get too bored with it. And I want you guys to really understand this, so I don't want to bore you. goes on to say, programmability could be applied to digital cash for all kinds of purposes, including to pay a positive interest rate or charge a negative interest rate on cash, to set conditions for the transfer of money to specific types of users or types of goods and services. Hear that? To set conditions for the transfer of money to specific types of users or types of goods and services. Next, to automate the transfer of specific values, such as tax payments for each purchase from a merchant, or to ban certain users from access to cash in a way similar to blacklisting. (laughs) This is great. Thank you, World Bank. Thank you, World Bank. Hear that one again. To automate the transfer of specific values, such as tax payments, for each purchase from a merchant. Of course, the governments have to be able to program this in to pull their tax dollars out, folks. They need a cut of everything. Or to ban certain users from access to cash in a way similar to blacklisting. Oh, oh, oh. How the story goes. It says it can facilitate pay per use, for example, for automated payment of rented items. Well, we know there'll be a lot of rented items inside of the technate. That goes all the way back to the 1920s. It goes on to say it could facilitate so-called Internet of Things payments where, quote, smart, end quote, machines make buying orders and authorized payments when needed. For example, refrigerator could automatically order milk from a grocery store when running low, or a printer tracking toner usage could buy it via Amazon once it reaches a certain level. Digital money could be programmed to settle payments between systems that are exchanging currency, where a payment from one system in a specific currency is conditioned of another payment from the other system in a different currency. In all such cases, payments or transfers of value would be triggered based on preset conditions handled under, quote, smart contracts, end quote. These are computer programs or transaction protocols that are intended to execute automatically to control or document legally relevant events and actions according to the terms of a contract or agreement. Smart contracts remove the need for trusted intermediators and uh, arbitrations, 
reduce enforcement costs and fraud losses, and lower the risk of malicious or accidental exceptions. Programmable money could eventually allow for far-reaching scenarios where the government limits access to scarce resources, applying dynamic fees on the use of, say, electricity or tolled roads based on their usage or carbon emission measurements and attaching pay-per-use systems to houses and cars as discussed by Casey 2020. You got that? How about as discussed by Technocracy Incorporated between 1919 and 1970? All right, because all this stuff was already laid out a long time ago. We covered it all here at the Dust and Gold Standard, folks. But you see what's going on? Look at that one. Money could eventually allow for far-reaching scenarios where the government limits access to scarce resources. And that's what I told you. I told you if they want to stop the manufacturer from creating uh, ammunition, they will just stop his central bank digital currency from being able to buy the raw materials needed to create the ammunition. This goes on to say programming the expiration of money. These are all interesting curiosities, but could expiring money really work? Expiring money would increase both the velocity of money and overall economic activity, similar to applying a negative rate to digital cash. In practice, a carrying fee on money would encourage people to spend it and thus prevent it from being hoarded. For notes to keep their face value, Silvio Jessel, an economist writing about money in the early 20th century, proposed a stamp that would be fixed on it weekly and be paid for by the holder. The periodic fee would make money costly to hold and would thus pressure people to spend it quickly. The proposal was successfully implemented during the depression of the 1930s in the city of Wargel, Austria, where the depreciating money pushed people to get rid of it by exchanging it in the markets for goods, and this soon brought the local economy back to prosperity. But you know what that's all about, folks. That's not about driving the economy. It's about stopping you from being able to save and build wealth. It's quite apparent. It was talked about in the Technocracy Incorporated documents. That's what it is. You are not allowed to build wealth. If the government distributes CBDC currency to you for Social Security, disability, welfare, whatever, and you have to spend it, that means you can't save it. If you get a stimulus check that says it expires at the end of the month, you can't save it. You have to spend it. And then they can make that happen with the payments that start coming from your boss, from work. That Let's say that money is only that $50,000 a year you make is only good for that year. And it expires one year after you get it. So you get your paycheck for $1,500 or $1,000 or $800, whatever it may be, and that money expires in 365 days, meaning you cannot save. Now, you can possibly hoard some goods, but they're going to turn most of this system into a rental-based system, and the food that is all genetically modified will have an expiration date as well as it does today, but they will make sure that you can't, there will be ways that you can't can it, you can't jar it. I mean, they can manipulate everything with the Frankenstein technology they have. It goes on to say, in the case of expiring money, the penalty for holding it would be even more radical. The money would keep its full value for a predetermined interval after issuance and would decline in value from then onwards. This form of programmable money would set in motion a sequence of spending decisions, since no holder would have reasons to hold it beyond expiration and would thus 
raise aggregate demand permanently, all else being equal. For this money to be acceptable, however, the expiration mechanism should be designed on a, quote, resettable timer, end quote, basis, so that while the interval to expiration is fixed for each holder, the clock is set back to zero anytime money passes hands. All right, so that means I have a $10 bill that expires in one minute, I hand it to you, and it resets to 365 days. And that can all be done in this digital space. All right, this would give its new holders the full-time interval before the new expiration date sets. An automated alert system could advise holders of the approaching expiration dates. Imagine your phone going off. You have to spend that $3 by noon. Expiring money acts differently than quantitative easing, through which central banks stimulate economic activity by purchasing securities and driving interest rates down. Expiring money would not act indirectly on aggregate demand via the portfolio rebalancing or the neutral real rate of interest channel discussed by the Bank of England's uh, Jerton Vingle in 2021, and would rather impact spending decisions directly by generating a positive wealth effect. The wealth effect would be compounded by the certainty that the additional wealth would vanish if it were unspent before expiration. See that? You cannot build wealth in this system. goes on to say, in our next post, we'll explore some drawbacks to expiring money, but also the policy objectives that could motivate its use. So we're going to look for this. I wasn't able to find it today. I'm going to look for this article because I do want to finish covering this. I think it's very important you understand the idea now between pro, uh, behind programmable money, which is a key feature of the central bank digital currency, folks. As you can see the technocracy is here it is advancing quickly it is all around us it is the culture it is the culture because the people that sit at the top of the food chain and the technocrats the scientists the engineers the technologists the economists and others that are working to build this system were brought up inside of the culture. This is what they learned at the respective colleges and universities that they went to. They are only implementing a system that was put into place 100 years ago. They're further driving the system forward. It is a system of total control. It is a digital plantation. It is a slave state. It is the matrix, ladies and gentlemen. That is what we are moving into, whether you're living in the physical world or you're going to live inside the metaverse via your VR headset, your AR headset, your brain chip, or whatever. Everything will be connected. You will be tracked. You will be surveilled. And you will be penalized if you do not follow the rules. They will turn off your wallet. They will stop you from being able to purchase. That is how you will be marked, ladies and gentlemen. When they mark you as a defector, when they mark you as someone standing up to the state, they will punish you. They need no guns any longer folks they only need central bank digital currency a programmable form of money ladies and gentlemen when i get back tomorrow we'll get into consensus and try to wrap up some of these loose ends i'm dustin gold with the dustin gold standard and i'm going to eat some turkey soup and a fresh loaf of bread thank you for joining us right here on pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world Built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion. 
at pain.tv slash gold.